Welcome back listeners, it's a new season of the Fantasy Football Surgery Podcast. Thanks for joining us again for our 64th instalment, back for a brand new season, and I welcome back my co-host, The Iceman. Thank you very much, Billy, and welcome back to yourself too. Thank you very much. How have these uh, long, drawn-out summer months been without the beautiful game? I've just been literally sat at home waiting for it to begin. It has enabled me to have slightly a life, but that is now gone, and uh, yeah, I'm going to be a boring FPL geek that I was before. Wonderful. Glad there's no change there. I think we, we can safely say the highlight of our summer was uh, me and the Iceman took part in a beach football tournament um, sort of three or four weeks ago now. We got through the group stages. It was our best performance yet. And we were actually knocked out in the semi-finals by an Arsenal rep side, which contained a number of the England beach soccer football team. But uh, it was an absolute honour to play against our supported club and get uh, get suitably oh, whipped by them. So that yeah, was wonderful. 9-0 wasn't good. Was it nine? I thought it was seven. Ah, uh, I can't remember. It's all the days. I don't think it matters at that score, does it? It's just, <laughs> no. it's just hopeless. Anyway, so we are here to preview the uh, the new season ahead, and who better than uh, than one of our regular guests from last year, Mika, joining us all the way from Finland. Welcome back, Mika. Yeah, hi guys. Good to be back again. Welcome back. How have you been getting on in the uh, some in the summer months without FBL? Yeah, luckily we have our own uh, local football leagues going on, so. I haven't been that that horrified during the summer, but at least I had something. But still, I missed that bill. <laughs> yeah, so you've still got the home stuff. Actually, one of the things we resorted to doing in the beach football tournament was uh, creating a fancy football scoring system, which I think me and the Iceman probably picked up a few clean sheet bonuses, and that was about it. So desperately clinging on to the FPL coattails. But anyway, the important thing is, in just 10 days at the time of recording, we are back. And we're here to preview the new season for you. Um, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to do a couple of preparation pods for the upcoming season. Today, we're going to talk a bit about the new chip, the must-have players, and uh, maybe some enablers as well to help you balance out your teams. But kicking off, there has been a big change in FPL. Last year, there was a lot of debate about whether the all-out attack chip was actually helpful. I remember me and the Iceman and uh, Tom Campbell talked about that quite a lot in our last podcast. Thank you to the 2,000 of you that tuned into that, by the way. But the um, the new chip, Iceman, we're excited by this, aren't we? Yeah, I think it's going to be pretty good. It just it gives a different dynamism to the game. Although, it, I think it does enable the casuals to have a little clean break whenever they need it just makes it a little bit easier yeah and to hear about the uh, the chip it's called the free hit and essentially what it is it for one game week and one game week alone you can change your team completely within the constraints of your value you can change all 15 players and and just run that for that game week and then your team goes back to the way it was the uh, the week before okay so rather than it being kind of a uh, playing wild card it's kind of a one week free hit mika how are you feeling about this uh, I think overall it has got a pretty good welcome from the FPL community, but personally, I don't like it at all. It makes <laughs> ah, the game okay. easier. It does. Yeah, go on. Yeah, and uh, it, for me, it's like a reversible chess move, to be honest. Uh, it forgives your mistakes quite a lot. Let's say you forget to plan for certain event, for example, or double game week, blank game week. Or you get caught up with rotations, or you get hit by an injury crisis. You can just play this chip and get totally away with it. Part of the fun of this game is the, the planning. The planning for me is the fun of this game. So this removes a part of it. I think I understand what you mean. With uh, FPL nerd hedge like yourself, <laughs> it's uh, you do like to plan ahead, but it does make it easier for the people that don't do that. So, like if, like you say, it is like a bit like a game of chess. If you get your queen in trouble, you can suddenly bring that back and turn it all around. Uh, it's an easy get out, but I think it can be exploited by the nerd hedge like ourselves. Yeah, of course, uh, everybody has it, so we're just gonna use it as our advantage. But still, I think it makes the game easier. So I, I just don't like it. For example, last season you could have uh, planned for the big game week twenty-seven and basically forgot the uh, last game week and used the chip there. So you, you didn't have 
uh, have to plan at all for the game week tw- 28 in mind. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. That that game week is the one that jumped to mind for me because there was, a, there was, I don't know if you remember last season, you had kind of your, your big one at the end of the season. There was the one a couple of weeks before that. The one was, the, I remember the double game week when Crystal Palace, Man United, and there was one other had double game weeks. That would have probably been the week when I'd chosen to use it because that may be when you wanted to have a hit at a few more of those players, but it would have ruined your team beyond that point. So I think this season, what I'll be looking out for, if there's a, a bizarre and slightly obscure double game week with teams, which really I don't want to commit to for the long term, that's when I'll be looking to use it. Yeah. Uh, I totally understand why FPL introduced this chip, though. It keeps the player base more active, but still, personally, I don't like it. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if we've got more people sort of hanging on towards the end of the season because they've been given the chance with that that chip. Okay, so today we're going to focus more generally on the, I suppose, the the must-haves for the FPL season. We're not going to go through fixture for fixture. That'll be something we, we get back to our traditional sort of format in the next few weeks. But first of all, it's a new season. There's been plenty of transfer activity. In fact, that the Premier League has gone crazy with some of the prices being spent out. So we want to focus now on on who the must-haves are for your team, regardless of, of anybody else you're trying to fit in. Mika, as the guest, who do you who would you say are the absolute? You know, they've got to be in your blueprint from the start. Uh, for for the start, personally, I think it's best to plan your team for only for three game weeks ahead. As a start, we can't know who is good or bad. So it's really hard for us to really find the must-haves. But there are a couple uh, options that I need to talk about. For example, Lukaku, of course. Yeah. Everybody has him. United has some really nice fixtures. I think we all can agree on that. Yeah. Oh yeah, hundred percent. I think um, you know Lukaku's got to be in a lot of people's thinking. It's his ownership as well. It's the fact that he's got all those Man United fans, which just naturally just stick him straight in their team. Their new signing, they're all excited about him. So the casuals just stick him straight in at forty-eight point four percent. If he explodes, yeah, at any so- point, you just know <laughs> that you're going to fall behind. Yeah, West Ham, Swansea, Leicester, Stoke, Everton. You, you could feasibly keep him in for the good first sort of third of the season almost, couldn't you? And just see see what happens. And he's absolutely going to be their main man up front, especially as Rooney's gone now. Um, Mourinho seems to be pairing him with Rashford rather than playing Rashford instead of him. So I can't see him losing out on game time. So 11.5 million, he, he is a, a decent shout, isn't he? Especially with his Premier League pedigree growing all the time. Yeah. Yeah, he's going to be the leading uh, captain leader for the game week one, for sure. It'll be interesting. I guess this is the big thing for Lukaku now. We need to see if he can do it at um, consistently. I know he's played for Chelsea, but doing it regularly at a big club in the big games, that's the big question hanging over him, isn't it? But to be fair, he hasn't got any big games, probably for the first four fixtures until he plays his old club, Everton. Mick, I know we talked a bit about Harry Kane as well before you, you came on. Have you got anything to say about the wizard that is Harry? <laughs> yeah. Uh, on Twitter, there has been a huge argument about Harry Kane. Uh, for me, personally, he's a must-have. Yeah. But uh, uh, people argue that he's a slow starter. Uh, yeah, true. He has started last two seasons really slow. Uh, on the first one, though, he had under-21 championships. And uh, Spurs flew him pretty much straight into a- Asian tour after that. So he didn't have any, any vacation or... or Probably preseason. Uh, after that, uh, FA and Spurs had a little media war. Uh, both were accusing each other for exhausting Kane. So that explains pretty much why he had a slow start two uh, two seasons ago. And last season he had the Euros, and because of that he didn't have a proper preseason either. This summer it's completely different, though. He has had a proper vacation, no extra games, and he's having a full preseason. If Kane is fully fit, has uh, some nice fixtures in the first three, and uh, has had a nice holiday, he's absolutely first name nailed in my team. I agree with you completely there. I think I've seen um, I've seen some of his performances whilst on tour as well. He scored a few goals pre-season as well. Um, just to give you an idea with this guy, he's scored either thirty-two or thirty-three bonus points every season for the last three seasons and of course we all know from last season he played about I think it was six to eight fewer games than he had the season before 29 goals seven assists it's hard 
have to make a, ga- a case against him at the moment. But it's 12.5 million. So, Iceman, I'm interested to hear what, what are your thoughts on Kane? Well, I had him in my team for a while. I've now taken out his out my draft at the moment. I do kind who'd of. You, want... Who did you replace him with? Uh, well, because I had Lukaku already, I've replaced him with uh, Jesus or Jesus or whichever one you want to call him for now. The only thing is, I do want yeah. him back. Uh, it's just hard to make a case against it. You just do save uh, that extra two mil, which does go nicely elsewhere in your team. And I do think with City's fixtures coming up as well, Jesus is in good form at the moment and he's playing well in pre-season. He was flying at, towards the end of last season. So I can see him probably doing just as well as Kane in those three fixtures. So... I do really want him, but I'm not going to have three premium forwards. If you have got three premium forwards, then yes, I suggest that Kane's got to be one of them, but I've only got the two, so because I'm going to have that budget striker. And with having that budget striker, it doesn't enable me to fit him in, whereas I do want that City attack as well. Yeah, it's an interesting one, Jesus, because he um, he's another one that scored twelve bonus last season, so a third of a third of what Kane got, but already with you know probably in a third of the games, if we're being honest, seven goals last season, four assists, really made an impact. I guess just the only question for me is, will he start over Aguero? And if he doesn't start up front, then does he fit into the three in behind, Mika? Uh, yeah, uh, City used uh, three by two in the last uh, preseason game. Uh, Sterling and Jesus, Jesus, whatever you want to call it, played up top. Aguero benched. Uh, they changed in the second half that uh, Aguero came in from Ster- for Sterling, but still his absence is really worrying. I don't think you can I tell that much be- from preseason now. I don't think you can really yeah. base too much on it. Uh, I think you need to base it based on the form from last season and kind of the signings that are brought in, how it's going to change the squad. I don't think much is going to change. Yeah, uh, I absolutely agree. Uh, you can't take anything granted from preseason, but still. Uh, I've been a huge uh, uh, speaker about Aguero not fitting the system of Pep. He uh, seems to be uh, way more central than other uh, strikers and he doesn't work that much. For example, Jesus is a perfect player for uh, Pep's system. He uh, outworks Aguero pretty much every time. Last season, uh, in the final five fixtures, I think Aguero got rotated like three or four times. Jesus played pretty much every minute. Yeah, I think, I think it's a compelling argument for um, for for Jesus there, isn't it? I mean, Iceman, I know you've, he's going to be in your team potentially. Um, is there anyone else that you, you think is a must-have? Myself, I think <clears throat> based on uh, Massa's moving away from strikers for a little bit, is actually going back to the defence. The only thing is with Spurs fixtures, I don't think they're that great. But I do think Kieran Trippier is probably the biggest must-have, the value on him, because Walker was actually playing for Spurs when they actually released the game. He's actually priced nicely at 5.5. And I can see why uh, 20% of managers are actually picking him, because he got five assists in the short amount of time he actually played last season, whereas Walker actually got five assists all season. It shows the potential in him in a Spurs defence, which can be very solid and kept a lot of clean sheets. Uh, last season as well so for me Kieran Trippier has got to be a must-have I know that the fixtures aren't that special but it it was something I didn't do with Kyle Walker last season where he was priced at 5.5 I didn't get him in based on the fixtures then he shot up in price he scored a load of points and then I just missed out on him because I just couldn't afford him so this season I'm not going to do that and Trippier is definitely going to be in my team okay yeah I think it's a good shout maker yeah, these wing backs uh, are going to change the whole FPL balance. Uh, normally, I used to buy defenders for the clean sheets, but because the wing backs are so attacking, I need to start looking for attacking returns also from them. Trippier with 5 5, it's really good value, but first three fixtures, I can't see them doing much. Plus, I, I need and I want to monitor the Wembley effect. They're, they're going to play the first home games on Wembley. So. Yeah, it's going to be trickier for them with their with Wembley being a much bigger pitch. They do like the pressing game, and that might affect their clean sheets. But they did keep uh, the most clean sheets equal with United last season. Yeah, how many can you see in the first three though? 
Yes, it's true. I don't think they're going to keep one against Chelsea, which is why it's, it is good to have like a uh, rotation uh, on your bench. But I think I'll still play Trippier against Chelsea if I do have him. Interesting. So you're thinking in terms of must-have defenders, we're looking at uh, Kieran Trippier at the yeah, moment. Yeah, I just um, think he's a, se- a season-long must-have. It's a nice shout. And I've seen um, this evening that Spurs have been linked with a player called a place from uh, Hoffenheim called Jeremy Toljan. He is a German under-21 right-back. Now, I doubt very much he's going to come in and take Trippier's spot straight away, but it does look like Pochettino has recognised the gap at right-back. Whether Trippier will continue to be used as the senior fullback or not will be seen. But at the moment, I think you're safe having him. Yeah, yeah, agreed. So if I just add a couple to discussion, chaps, then we can perhaps get on to more general players. Um, in terms of must-haves, having, having seen City pre-season, they absolutely demolished Tottenham 3-0 in a recent fixture. I actually really like the look of Kevin De Bruyne. As we talked about with Kane previously, I think De Bruyne is coming in and he's going to be a little bit fitter at the start of this campaign, having not had a World Cup or a Euros to play in. 199 points last season. City, really decent fixtures, the first three of Brighton, Everton and Bournemouth. Like I said, 21 assists last season, six goals and 11 clean sheets to add to that. Also likes a bonus of 33, which equals Harry Kane. Now, he is quite expensive for a midfielder. He is right in that premium bracket of 10 million. But with some of the players he's got around him now, he's not just relying on Aguero to score the goals. We know that Jesus can finish as well. So... For me, he he's a serious contender to be in my team, and I do think he is in that must-have category. Yeah, I agree on the sense that you have to have at least one city attacking asset, yeah. either Kevin De Bruyne or Jesus. Yeah, Aguero, I still don't think you should risk it with his price because you never know if he's going to be rotated. See, I had Aguero for a lot in my drafts. I've now taken him out because I've kind of needed the money and Jesus is more of a starter. But I can see why people are going for him because, yeah, it's Aguero, isn't it? He's he's done it over the past three, four seasons. He's always scored high. It's just the Pep's system he doesn't quite work to. But I still think he's going to start. I can see them getting a few goals and I can see him just... You know, wrapping him up. I, I, he could probably be a contender for the top goal scorer this season if he plays. But again, like you say, there is a slight risk to whether he's going to get the minutes. It's an interesting conundrum. It's going to be a bit of a punt if you, if you go for him. But I think either way, the message is there has to be a City attacking player in there somewhere. The only the other sort of premium player, which I think if his future was more certain, you'd say he's a, he's a must-have, Alexis Sanchez returned to Arsenal training today. Now, around that, there's this whirlwind of hype around him going off to Manchester City. The Bayern Munich move seems to have gone dead in the last few weeks. And it looks like if he is going to go, then it's going to be to City. At the same time, Wenger's has come out and said, well, actually, he'd rather run his contract down and lose him for free than sell him this year. So, chaps, I'm interested to know, with the current Alexis Sanchez situation, with Arsenal's position this season not being in the Champions League, Mika, how, how do you see Sanchez as an option? Uh, to be honest, absolutely no sense to go for him at the start. <laughs> he has the blue, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and he didn't have preseason, just started training. He had that uh, games with Chile, uh, that contract situation. Absolutely no sense to use, what, 12 million for a player that probably won't play in the first fixtures. If he's fit again and he starts playing, then of course, Sanchez, you have to have him. Totally agree. I think if Sanchez is fit, then you know he's always going to be a favourable pick, isn't he? At any price, he's going to more than repay that if he's playing well. Iceman, as a die-hard Arsenal fan, what's your take on the situation? Yeah, it's just he, he's not one to have for the start, I don't think, because you don't know whether he's going to play. Like Mick says, I, I agree with him totally. And uh, once he starts getting into the flow, Arsenal gets some easy fixtures, he starts scoring loads of goals. Yeah, I think you've probably got to accommodate him in your team. Interesting. So it's um, I think it's a wait and see on the Sanchez situation. Either way, um, he's going to be hanging on for that 400 grand a week contract that he's after. Mm-hmm. So, um, chaps, we're going to move on from this section. And I'm going to take this opportunity to plug the Fancy Football Surgery Podcast Mini League, which we had over a thousand people enter it last year. Absolutely brilliant. Great to see some of the listeners and some of the guests actually in the top sort of sort of 10 to 20 places. Uh, Mika, I know you're up there all season yourself. So 
Once again, we invite you all to take part. As per usual, there is a prize available at the end of it, the prestigious Fancy Football Surgery podcast placemat, uh, amongst other goodies, going to be sent to you in the post if you uh, are successful winning that. The code is 1173-455. Join us, take on the surgeons, take on the listeners, and let's see where you finish. So, Chaps, let's uh, think a little bit more tactically about this. Now, the I, I suppose the way that the Premier League is going at the moment, a lot of teams going to 3-4-3. Three, three. This is making selecting your FPL formation interesting. Mika, I'm interested to hear what you're looking at formation-wise and the sort of players that are going to accommodate that for you. Yeah, I have seen many, many players doing traps with five at the back or four at the back with four premium defenders or three permanent playing premium defenders. Uh, pretty much the wing back situation is changing the whole FBL landscape. But like I told you guys earlier, I used to buy defenders for the clean sheets, but now you just have to look at their attacking potential also, like Alonso did last season. You can easily cover a team basically just with an, uh, a wing back. For example, Arsenal. At the moment, there is no like a good attacking option except maybe, like I said, the new guy. But with Bellerin or Kolasinac, you can easily cover the whole team. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I've been dying to speak a bit about Kolasinac because um, a little bit of looking into his form last season. Um, he was one of the German Bundesliga Player of the Years, or was in the team of the season, rather. Um, across the course of the season, as an attacking wing-back, so he scored three times and got seven assists. Partial to a yellow card as well, I have to say, but that's pretty good returns. And watching him pre-season, he's really direct. He's a, he's a strong guy. You know, I think he's purpose-built for the Premier League. He is six million, which for a new defender, I think is quite highly priced. So that tells you a lot about the prestige that comes with him. Bellerin on the other side is also six million. So at the moment, I probably steer towards Hector, but um, I think you're right at the moment with the, how unsure we are about Arsenal, one of those might be a good option. Iceman, any thoughts on that? Yeah, no, I, I think I agree. It's just I can see better options elsewhere. With Arsenal's fixtures, they, they, you know, they do turn up green, but they are very tricky. Leicester is always like a 2-1 game, barely even that. Stoke, we've always had trouble against. Liverpool, you know, they've always beaten us. Uh, Bournemouth, uh, you know, they've always given us a tricky game. Then we've got Chelsea. So all of those particular fixtures for the first five, I don't think are the best. So uh, for me, I would stay away. There are better options elsewhere. I mean, like as Mika was saying, the wing-back situation is is prime example where you can just put one of them in and you might not need any other players from that particular team like for me I've got three wing backs in my starting 11 uh, in Bertram, Walker and Trippier and uh, I don't feel like I need to rotate them a lot of people are going for the rotation option I know Mickey you've talked about that with um, certain players having cheaper players and then rotating so you've got just home players what teams were best for that were you talking about? Well, at the moment, I don't want to give away too much, but I'm pretty much looking at, for example, <laughs> Burnley or Leicester in Game Week 2. Yeah. On Game Week 2, all the big teams, or not all the big teams, but pretty much uh, many of the big teams are playing really hard fixtures. So I don't think there is going to be many clean sheets on Game Week 2 if you're going to per- per- perm play uh, some of your defenders. So on that uh, I'm going to use rotation. If you look game week two fixtures, Leicester is playing, for example, uh, Brighton at home, but they have awful fixtures on game week one and game week three. Perfect example of rotation. Interesting. Yeah, I think, um, I think Iceman, just to pick up on that, I know she said you've got Walker in your team, mm-hmm. which six point six and a half million for Walker. That, for me, is quite pricey. What would you think in behind him? Well, it's because he's, I've just seen him pre-season, he's so attacking, he more or less plays as a right midfielder. He scored loads of points last season, you can see why, because he's just such an attacking player. I just think he's going to flourish there. City have just got very attack-minded. I just think he's going to get a load of, load of assists, probably even a goal or two. He's going to benefit from that, and I think bonus points down that right-hand side with the crosses that he sends in. Uh, yeah, I can just see loads of points come from that. And with City, they always seem to start the season really well. 
and they're already flying pre-season. I can see it yeah. going through to uh, to the season. Yeah, it's an interesting. I think even, um, I mean, Danilo, he'll be his uh, understudies 5.5, how much game time he gets, I'm not sure. But Danilo actually played as a left-back in one of the fixtures as well. And with Mendy still, he'll probably be ready for the start of the season. Mendy 6.5. So if there's any injuries to either of those, Danilo actually over the course of the season might be a cheap option at some point. Yeah, into I the- that. Yeah. into the city back line just to offer another cheap attacking fullback option although more be it in a, in a flat back for cedric at saints five million gets forward well international defender if he's still at saints by the end of the uh, the transfer window um three assists 11 cleanies last season so good value on him also racked up 11 bonus points swansea first at home then west ham then huddersfield watford and crystal palace so very favorable in terms of fixtures yeah i do think uh, southampton is more or less you know we're talking about must-haves i think you do need a southampton defender with cedric yeah 30 appearances 11 clean sheets he got 39 attempted assists last season which uh, was level with walker even though walker played more so that's a negative towards Walker and a plus towards Cedric. But Cedric uh, has only just come back to training, I believe, for Southampton. He hasn't been playing pre-season. So we don't know if he's going to be match fit. So we don't know if we'll start. There is a question mark on that. Yeah, he had that long uh, long holiday because the Confederations Cup. Uh, and his replacement, Pied, he only costs 4.5. And he could play the first two, two three games, maybe. So potentially a, a cheap cut price option there. Just whilst we're talking about that, chaps, we, Mika, you mentioned formations there, which I think is quite interesting. All right, Jim, um, what are you thinking in terms of formation for this season? Are you 3-5-2 or 3-4-3? Three, three? Yeah, I'm, I'm going back to standard 3-4-3 three, three at the moment. And I've kind of set my team up in a way of where I can kind of change out players and I've got uh, the options to switch to the high-priced brackets quite easily and you know not taking out a premium player to go all the way down to a, a budget player uh, so that I can... It's all kind of flexible within my team. I've got two premium strikers up front with my lower bracket in Austin and then I've got my four across the middle, uh, two seven mils and then a premium in Alley. Uh, 9.5 and I've got Pogba in there I've got my three uh, wing backs in Birch and Walker and Trippier and then my two cheapy defenders then I've got my high price keeper in De Gea because I feel like United's fixtures going forward for the season are just too strong and you need that United defender and I just think he's the cheapest way in to the United defence otherwise I would have gone with Foster and then I've got Elliot in goal who's probably the most likely 4 million keeper which I'm going to play so that's how I'm setting up my team I'm more or less just told you my team mm. with with uh Jesus and uh, Lukaku up front. That's the way I want to play it because I feel like I've got more flexibility. A lot of people are going for the three premiums up front and I did have that for a while, but I just feel like you've got more flexibility in your midfield when you've got more money based in there to play around with. Interesting. Mika, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I've, I've been a 3-4-3 three, three guy pretty much whole my career, but... These wingbacks are really starting to get on my nerves as I have to adjust my tactics. I'm pretty sure I can't use the full team rotation or stuff like that during the season as the fullbacks, uh, uh, wingbacks sorry, will give more value than pretty much the cheap uh, 5.5, 6 mil midfielders. For example, if you compare Walker... Uh, on heat maps to someone like uh, James Ward-Prowse, you can easily see that Walker is way more up than player almost at his price on midfield. So you can easily have an argument about which justifies the price better, yeah, if you get what I mean. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can see just that Walker clearly gets right up there, doesn't he? So he's, he's definitely <laughs> one to to be to be thinking about uh, more so than Ward-Prowse. But yeah, okay. and, and, uh, yeah, I was thinking about the balance of the team, basically. You can't pretty much have a fourth or fifth or maybe even third midfielder as expensive as you need to have more money on your defense as the wingbacks give you more attacking returns and more points. Yeah, it's, and I think that's what, like you say, it's the headache of the attacking midfielder. Nobody epitomized that more last season than Alonso, which is why seven million this season. Okay, so we've talked a bit about the, um, the the change, I suppose, in the culture of how we're picking our defenders now. I think we've, we've basically not chosen a single centre-back there in our discussion. 
midfielders then so we've talked about the premium ones who is going to enable you to have these bigger players chaps um jim let's come to you first i do think william is probably my other must have at the moment with hazard out he is guaranteed to to play i think he's on penalties i'm not 100 percent on that but he has taken penalties before and I can't see anyone else unless Morata actually starts taking him. But I don't think he's nailed on to actually start the first game. But yeah, William, he's... Yeah, you look at the amount of times he played last season. He only started 15 times. Got eight goals, two assists. He he was just... When he, when he played, you can just see points from him. And he was very consistent. Not majorly high scoring. But pre-season, he's been bagging the goals. I think he got a hat-trick pre-season. And I know you shouldn't say too much about pre-season. But it's obviously good to be... Uh, nicely flowing I do think he'll he'll play and in that Chelsea team I can probably see a lot of goals even with uh with Morata in there as well yeah it's going to be a huge uh argument again uh, between William and Fabregas which one to choose both are seven million both can give, give you a nice value yeah it's a difficult one I mean like William's kind of been in my team since day one but you, you do kind of have the same argument for Fabregas because he was a question mark whether he was going to play or not. And now that Matic has gone, I think he's going to nail down that place, do you reckon? Yeah, yeah, I think so too. He's going to go for the central defensive midfield role before Bakayoko, the new signing, comes back. Yeah. So Fabregas may well be a good one to start with. So, Jim, you're sort of thinking a little bit about Chelsea there. Mika, any, any players to add from a midfield perspective? From Chelsea? Or just just in general to sort of facilitate those other ones we spoke about. So, for, say for example, you've got a higher cost wing back. Who are we going to put in midfield that's going to allow us to afford them? Uh, yeah, I have a couple of couple of mentions over here. I was just going to say Petro. If he would be fit, he got more points than Willian when Hazard was absent last season. So shout out to him. <laughs> but. Uh, unfortunately, he got that face injury against Arsenal yet again. I think Ospina heard him w- once before. But yeah, overall, uh, I think uh, you should pick either William or Fabregas from Chelsea. Um, some other good mentions. Saha, 7 million from Crystal Palace. He's playing so in so-called Hazard role also. Uh, gave it, their new manager is using 3-4-3 also. So Saha could be a good punt at the start of the season. Yeah, I agree. You'd expect him to kind of pick up where he left off last season, wouldn't you, and sort of carry on that that good form. The fact that nobody's poached him in the summer kind of, I think Palace have done quite well to keep hold of him, actually, considering what he did last year. As, as a sort of alternative, cheaper option in midfield, and I, I guess you you might laugh at this, but more due to his form in the past, but also how he played towards the end of the season, Aaron Ramsey at Arsenal is £7 million, and he's quite a nice mid-price option. I think him and Jack are pretty much set. If Arsenal are playing 3-4-3, those two I think will be the two that will play in the sort of the midfield more holding type roles. And Ramsey has got a sort of a track record of getting forward. I, I think he'll be one that will be on the team sheet every week. And I think if you're trying to afford higher price sort of options up front, higher costing midfielders or wing backs he, he's not a bad shout at a, at a lower cost for a midfielder what are your thoughts on him yeah I, I had him in my draft a few times and I, I may even bring him back in to the extent of uh, someone like Pogba but the the thing is with Ramsey he does he is very streaky as well with Arsenal's formation he's not necessarily the one they're looking for for the goal so I don't think he's going to get like one or two a game it will just be the odd one and the one assist so that's why I'm kind of steering away because he's not the most attacking of Arsenal players whereas uh, the likes of Zaha who I do have in my team is um, just bringing back to just bringing back to Pogba there I was just I'm going for him based on the fact that Matic, Matic has signed for United and you look at Pogba's stats last season and the, they were off the chart but they he didn't quite get the FPL points he only got goals and four assists but he did hit the woodwork five times and he had 57 attempted assists so he also had 32 shots on target which was level with Hazard so it just shows for a deep lying midfielder the amount of shots that he gets is is quite large so now that Matic has joined he's probably going to move forward a bit more and then I, I can see him flourishing there so that's why he's in my team and United have got the good fixtures which I said but yeah, Ramsey, bit of a hit or miss for me. 
Hit or miss. Fair enough. Okay, chaps. So a few ideas for uh, for midfield there. Let's just uh, shout a few up top then. So again, we talked about premium strikers. Any sort of more affordable bargain options that you think we could start with? Mika, any thoughts on this? Uh, I think J Rod from West Bromwich has yeah. looked pretty pretty good on preseason. He costs only six million, and we all know him. He has been in Premier League for ages. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, he has been uh, injury plagued a lot, but he has the skills. If he can stay fit, and uh, if police is going to use him as the first striker, then I'm pretty sure he's going to uh, offer some value. The only thing is with that. It's West Brom. West Brom aren't a hugely scoring team. They don't score like three or four goals a game, do they? I would say he is a good option, just not in the West Brom team. Yeah, the first three fixtures are just really good. Bournemouth at home, Burnley away, Stoke at home. So if you're going to punt on him, what kind of fixtures do you need? Yeah, no, I, I agree. I agree. Yeah, I think um, I, I've actually been looking at J-Rod myself. I think he's a great option at that price if he's going to play regularly. And he has shown when he when he comes back, he does score. He's not the sort of player that takes a while to get going. So I think that could be a great shout as an enabler up front. Just the, 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 the only thing on that is that I, I think that maybe the likes of Phillips or Chadley playing from that midfield position, getting the likes of that extra point per goal and the extra clean sheet bonus... I think probably are worth more value than J-Rod, and they're at the same price as him. He kind of plays in the same position as the likes of Phillips, but just on the other side. So I know Phillips might be injured at the moment. I think Chadley might actually play ahead of him. <clears throat> just to caveat to that, I know Chadley has fallen out with Pulis recently, so he might not be as nailed as he could be. But I just think the likes of those two, uh, Phillips and Chadley, probably will score more points than J-Rod. Yeah, I completely agree. If they both start, they kind of uh, offer you some value. But I still think J-Rod is good uh, for attacker spots. I, um, just one, I suppose, again, cheap price option up front. Um, keep my eye on this season. Again, Dwight Gale, when he's played in the Premiership in the past, to be fair, I never think felt that Crystal Palace quite gave him a fair crack of the whip. He managed to score... I think it was 15 goals in total over three seasons for Palace, but he only actually started 27 times. He also got an assist in that time. So actually his strike rate's very good. Prior to that, when he played for Peterborough, very, very good in the lower leagues. And last season, again, for Newcastle, 26 starts, six sub-appearances, 23 goals and two assists. So when a team commits to him as their centre forward, this guy can find the net. He's only six and a half million. No matter what league Newcastle are in, with those home fans well, travelling as well, I think they'll score goals. I, I'm really interested in Dwight Gale as an enabling striker this season at 6.5 million. I just think he's more a, of a, uh, a lower league player. He, I mean, like he did do really well for Newcastle last year. 48 shots yep. on target uh, with 25 attempted assists. He is a lone forward though, and he needs to play off like a big striker, which uh, I'm sure he will in that Newcastle team. But I just don't think he he can cut it for the Premier League. I'm, I'm yeah, I may be wrong, but I, in my opinion, he's not got the gall to to do well in the Prem as much as he is in the Championship. Guy yeah, the big just... fixture. Yeah, the big fixture for Newcastle and for him is the game week two against Huddersfield. Yeah, yeah, I agree. That that'll be the one that tests him. I mean, the the thing that makes me confident he'll play is Mitrovic. I think Mitrovic is actually only five million, but I think Newcastle are talking about selling. And I think in terms of favourability, he's over Iosi Perez. So at the moment, if you want someone who's cheap who might get game time and may grab you a goal, I don't think he's a bad option. But like you say, is a little bit risky. Okay, so we've gone through some, uh, we've gone through a few players there, chaps, that just, I suppose, cover each position um, tactically. Is there anyone else that's just jumping off the tongue at the moment that you want to want to add to that? I just want to add Ali in because he's one player of the year for two seasons running now, uh, young player of the year, sorry, and he is just progressing every year, isn't he? And I think that he's probably going to have another really good season. It's unfortunate he plays for Tottenham, but... I do think he's one one of these players who can just score from anything. He's normally a toss up between him and Ericsson. It is a is a hard choice, but I'm gonna go with Ali this season. I'm gonna start with him based on the fact that I don't have Kane, which is scaring me, but who knows, I might change that around at some point. I think that's a great shout, Iceman. He really is the uh, the next coming of Gerard and Lampard, isn't he, in terms of returns? Yeah, well, he's going to be good. Yeah, if we're going to have this Ericsson versus Ali debate again, I'm going to also be in the Ali's boat. It's a good shout. 
Right, so we, we've talked there a little bit about um, tactics, formations, and thinking about how we can accommodate some of the bigger players with, with other sort of mid-priced players. Now let's head to the bargain basement and see if we can find some real gems, I suppose. So we had Kapoo from Watford, we had uh, the likes of Mawson from Swansea towards the end. So we're looking to find who this season is going to be the good cheap price option. So if we were to think about, I suppose, midfielders, first of all, Mika, have you got anyone in mind that might enable some of those bigger players? Yeah, at the start of the season, value is really tied. Uh, as uh, as we have to include a couple of those big players, we need to use a couple uh, really cheap enablers also. The people on Twitter have been all over Ruben Loftus-Cheek. 4.5 playing in the midfield in uh, Crystal Palace. He moved from Chelsea. People expect a lot of him. Personally, I th- still think there's some questions over him if he starts or where he does play or stuff like that. But overall, he seems to be really, really popular pick at the moment. Uh, for me, personally, I'm going to edge over to Carroll on Swansea. 4.5, and he gave pretty much all free kicks in the absence of Ziggy in Swansea. If he can keep those, he will be a serious bargain over the season. I know Siki just came back, but still, I think he's not fully fit to start. So Carol could have a really good value for 4.5. Yeah, and there's a big question about whether Siki's going to go to Everton, isn't there? Yep. So 4.5, a player who uh, shoots all the free kicks, sounds way too good. That's a nice, uh, nice shot. Anyone else? Uh, yeah, I think uh, from Crystal Palace, this uh, pretty new guy, Miljosevic, 5.0. He played as a centre-back in the last uh, uh, preseason game, but he also had penalty duties and he also took some free kicks. So we need to monitor him also. Uh, some more attacking options maybe. Uh, on Stoke, Ramadan Sophi, 5.0. <laughs> He's pretty much playing as a striker. Stoke have horrible fixtures at the start, but I reckon he could be the next king during the season. Maybe not at the start, but oh, during the season. Hold on, hold on. Who? Who are you talking about? Ramadan Sofi. Oh, Ramadan Sofi. Oh, sorry. Plays the left. Yeah, attacking three yeah, yeah. usually. No, I got you. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, I think just whilst we're talking about Stoke as well, we've got um, they've actually got a player returning that many of us will, will know from the season prior to that. Um, and that's Boyan. So he's been on, on loan in Germany, played very, very well out there. He's come back. He's only 5.5, so it's a little, little bit more expensive, I suppose. But um, another potential very cheap option from Stoke. Yeah, to be honest, I haven't really looked at him. I've been all over the Ramadan guy. Ramadan, yeah, I mean, so be like, you're absolutely right. He does look a real talent. And I think Stoke, there was a big thing on, the, uh, on TalkSport the other day, actually. Stoke have really not done too much in the transfer window. They've got Darren Fletcher which isn't the most inspiring signing. Their main striker is still probably going to be Berahino. The, the main signing, I suppose, is Kurt Zuma at the back, and I'm very interested to see how he develops. But even at 5.5 million, he's kept his Chelsea price tag, which I think doesn't make him as worth it. So Stoke is an interesting one, because I think they're going to struggle a little bit this season. Yeah, not going anywhere near them until their fixtures improve as well. So they've got diabolical fixtures coming up, haven't they? They've got Everton, Arsenal, West Brom, Man United, so it's not great for them. No, it's not looking great. I mean, um, any more to add to that, Mika? Cheap sort of midfielders? Uh, maybe one more. Uh, Walters moved to Burnley. He's 5'5". Five, five. Uh, I think he's playing out of position as a striker on Burnley, or could be playing, so he could be one to monitor. I, th- I think Burnley do have an abundance of strikers now, don't they? With uh, Ashley Barnes, uh, Gray, and uh, Walters and Vokes. Yeah, I, I would just stay away, even if you can kind of see him playing a couple of games, because that could all change uh, at some point. But I'm, I'm going to shout uh, Nathaniel Shalabar for Watford. He's signed for them from, from uh, Chelsea. He's an under-21 international England player. And he looks very promising. It's going to be a matter of whether he starts or not. So it is a risk if you do start with him for now. I've actually, my 4.5 at the moment is Tom Carroll. I'm just starting with him for now because I'm I'm pretty sure that Siggy will go. So 
he is kind of my most nailed 4.5 midfielder which I can see I can't see Loftus-Cheek starting not with the abundance of midfield players Crystal Palace seem to have I can't see him starting ahead of anyone so yeah for me it's Carroll and probably take a punt on Shalaba if I wanted another 4.5 but uh, I just need the one so for me it's Carroll Carroll for you at the moment I mean I spent any other sort of positions where you can identify any gems for well if you're looking back in defence everyone needs uh, some defenders where they're nice and cheap four meals and 4.5s uh, there's a couple which come to mind the 4.5 there's a new guy at uh, West Brom uh, Egyptian international Higazi uh, he's been starting the last few games because um, McCauley's been injured and Evans was uh, injured at some point but I think he, he's back now so they're, they're pretty tight on their defenders I'm not sure if he's going to start the season actually but I'm I'm kind of uh, in hope that he will. He's not nailed at the back yet. But with West Brom's fixtures, he's in my team currently. And uh, I think if he does start, he's going to be a great option. Uh, he's a young young player, but I, I do think he's got potential for them. Yeah, I completely agree on that. Okay. I mean, just um, pointing to one of the newer teams as a cheap midfielder, 5.5. So we get a little bit more than the Carroll option, but still cheap nonetheless. Huddersfield have just completed the permanent signing of Aaron Moy from Manchester City. He cost them £8 million, 26 years old. He's Australian, so he's actually spent some of his career playing for the likes of Sydney, Melbourne as well. He actually had a season where he scored 18 goals in midfield, but that was for in, in the Australian league. Join Manchester City within, I think it's the kind of Melbourne City is the, one of their feeder clubs in Australia. Um, had a good season for Huddersfield last year, scored a few goals in midfield, and he's only 5.5 million. At that price, I would expect a nearly promoted team to be playing him from the start. So he might be one that we see. I guess it depends on how Huddersfield adapt to life in the Premier League, but he is certainly quite a, a, a key figure in terms of their goal scoring. Yeah, they have pretty good fixtures at the start, and, and I, I think Moy will shoot all the penalties. Yeah, so he, he's one of the more attacking players. So again, fairly cheap priced option there. Okay, so lads, there's a few gems there that we've uh, we've thrown in for you to start thinking about. Again, if there's any we've uh, we've missed or you think could be useful to add to that discussion, uh, throw it onto our Twitter at ff underscore surgery just chats we talked a lot about uh, midfielders there Mika have you got any anyone finally to add defensively perhaps yeah I think the hunt for the 4.0 playing defender is going on pretty pretty uh, nicely at the moment everybody's looking for one Rosenio started in last Brighton preseason game and long started for Burnley so if you want to find one playing 4.0 uh, defender, you have to keep monitoring on those guys. Yeah, Rosinia, he, uh, Rosinia, is that you said? He uh, yeah. played quite a lot a couple of seasons ago, was it, when he was in the Prem? Who was he with? Hull? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, he looked pretty promising when he played then. He did play most of the games, so he, he is a promising one. Uh, I've got Long as my uh, four mil defender at the moment, but. It could change, it just depends who plays and everyone's kind of worrying about which one is going to start consistently and no one truly knows. But yeah, I would say Rosenio is probably the uh, most likely at the moment. Interestingly, the most selected of those is Rangel at Swansea, but 20% of managers have actually put Rangel in. Um, but I, I can't see him starting in front of Norton at fullback no, or Olsen. Norton's going to start, yeah, Norton's going to start. I can't see him starting either. Yeah, I think that's just uh, misplaced hope there uh, due to probably his points he scored last season. Yeah, I think that's a fair shout. Well, chaps, that brings us to the end of the enablers and the return of a regular section. I think it's the time for the Iceman to take a break. Yeah, thanks for you. All right, I'll be right back. So we welcome the Iceman back from his first piss break of the new season. I know that was hugely popular last year and we fully plan to keep that section in. Um, It's time for a summary. So we talked about our must-haves. They were Kieran Trippier, the fullback, Jesus for City, the wizard that is Harry, the high-priced Lukaku and KDB as our must-haves for the coming season. Players to facilitate this. The, the big focus really was an attacking fullback. So Bertrand, Walker, Trippier, Kolasinac was discussed. We also looked at J-Rod as a, uh, as a, a cheap-priced option up front. Ramsey in midfield. 
Pogba and also Cedric, all as, I suppose, middle-range options to facilitate those big names um, that we mentioned previously. And then bargain basements, uh, plenty of new names here and some old familiar faces. Moy from Huddersfield, Tom Carroll, Sobey from Stoke, the moving Jonathan Walters, Milijot, Mili, uh, uh, Milijovic from Palace, I've still probably got that wrong, <laughs> Igatsi from West Brom and Loftus-Cheek from Palace with the disclaimer we don't know if all of these guys are going to start but certainly they will have the potential to score points if they do and that really brings us to the end of our player discussion as of next week we will be getting back to talking about our fixtures in our usual format if you want to get in contact and follow all things Fancy Football Surgery podcast you can get our website at www.fancyfootballsurgery.com you can find us on Facebook just by typing in Fancy Football Surgery Uh, You can subscribe to us on iTunes uh, under Fancy Football Surgery. Please give us a rating. Tell us what you think of the podcast. Give us some feedback there. Uh, You can also follow most of our activity on Twitter at FF underscore surgery. If you've got uh, Reddit, you can listen to us on there. And also on SoundCloud. Uh, Basically, we're everywhere. So if you want to listen to us, you should be able to find a way. You can also join our mini league this season. I've said it once before, but for the sake of again on 1173-455 and I wouldn't be able to get away with this section without talking about our email address even though I've given you a hundred other ways of contacting us ffsurgerypodcast at yahoo.com the Iceman does like a pen pal (laughs) we want to thank Mika for joining us all the way from Finland once again Mika, thank you yeah, thank you, I was a bit rusty and I normally start my season pretty slow so don't trust what I said <laughs> I, I think after your multiple or after your high finish last season you've got a, a good reputation with the listeners so I've no doubt there'll be lots of value taken from what you've said but thanks for joining us again, a big thank you to the Iceman Yeah, cheers Billy, thanks for a well hosted first pod back, looking forward to the new season Yes, it's run really smoothly with no stopping or starting at all uh, <laughs> post edit, so um, Thanks for joining us once again, everybody. We look forward to talking to you over the course of the season, following the trials and tribulations of our fancy football teams. And it's good to be back. Thanks, everyone. clearly gets right up there doesn't he so he's, he's definitely one to clearly gets right up there right up there walker clearly gets right up there doesn't he so- all all the people on twitter have been all 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 over ruben lost his cheek all 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 over ruben lost his cheek